G'day, Dominic Barfield here, and this is the RVC Clinical Podcast. Big thank you for listening, and make sure you hit that subscribe button on your smartphone or generic fruit-based device. We're really grateful for you taking the time to download and listen to this clinical podcast. We really don't ask for much in return, that we would be so grateful if you could actually pop to uh, Apple Pod podcasts which i think there's a new name for itunes um for for downloading podcasts and leave us a review obviously a five-star review would be great um and uh, some examples of those have been recently left for us which is which is fantastic obviously other stars are available but uh, i suppose we'd really like those five-star reviews it helps us uh, get the clinical information to those people just like you that want to listen to that so this is part two of an interview I did with Dr. Patrick Kenny, who was uh, previously a senior lecturer and head of the neurology and neuro- neurology and neurosurgery service here at the RBC, uh, and he's now at a, uh, a a private referral practice in Sydney. Um, so the audio on this is recorded from Skype, so he might be uh, a little different than what you're used to, um, and that's probably because Brian wasn't involved in in this recording. Um, but I will. Get Get him involved uh, next time we try a Skype interview. Anyway, so we're, we're taking off um, from where we left off last week in talking about spinal trauma and cover the controversies of steroids. So listen back to the previous podcast if you want to hear us discuss whether or not you should use steroids in these patients. Um, on with the pod. So, so as far as uh, any other uh, uh, um, routine things that we do, so once we're happy cardiovascularly that these patients are stable, and once we've made sure that we've obviously given them adequate analgesia and we're looking at their oxygen uh, status and at least like delivering them oxygen by nasal prongs or even a mask if they, if they would if they would tolerate it uh, and make sure the perfusion is good and I suppose maybe a caveat would be um, not to necessarily push fluids too much if we're concerned about um, pulmonary contusions or, or uh, um, anything that might interfere say with 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 the, with the lungs themselves. So what point do you think about diagnostic imaging to, I suppose, you, you know, we, what, what we want to do is make sure that the patient is able, uh, sorry, what we want to make sure is that the patient uh, doesn't have any fractures or luxations that we can identify. Um, and if we're on a board, I suppose that might limit the two-dimensional views that we need to or should take. Um, and do you think it's it's wise to you know think about anaesthetizing this patient or just take survey rads initially? So say say we'll have a um, say our case that appears to have deep pain. So we say we have deep pain in all four limbs. Um, are radiographs sufficient? Um, generally, no. I would. I would say um, that that's not a reason to not do them. And then, you know, I guess the decision to whether you do them in your your practice or or not is is partly going to depend on your practice and the and also the owner and the owner's expectations and you know where you are in um, in uh, uh, you know relation uh, to a you know referral center or the ability to refer etc um, once the patient is is stable and you've examined them and you've made your your neurological assessment um, taking survey radiographs I would um, 
you know, again, try, uh, I'd do it on the board or on a board. You might need to, to transfer the um, animal very carefully onto to some sort of radiolucent board. But, you know, again, the key point is, you know, the minimal minimal um, handling or movement of the spine. Um, I generally try to avoid um, sedating or anaesthetizing these animals. And, and even though I'm, I'm normally, if I'm taking spinal radiographs, I'm normally very pro um, uh, heavy sedation or general anesthesia because, uh, you know, the spine is a fairly complicated uh, in three dimensions uh, arrangement of bones and processes and if you have uh, even slight rotation uh, it can make interpretation of those radiographs quite difficult um, for for cases where there is the potential for a unstable spine um, the problem with sedating or anesthetizing those animals is, is you um, relax the musculature around that site and that that may um, uh, on top of the instability already there may may lead to you know further spinal cord injury so um, ideally radiographs just taken in lateral recumbency ideally strapped to the board um, ideally unsedated and I, I guess a key thing um, I I would say is um, you know again don't turn you know, to, you know, just do lateral radiographs. Don't turn to take two views. Yeah, even though I, I completely understand the argument that um, orthogonal views give you a better idea of, um, you know, the the three dimensional arrangement of uh, of the structure. Um, you know, rolling a dog with an unstable spine onto its side, you you, you know, the, you might as well not have it on a, a spinal board. Uh, you know, at all, you can, um, you know, you, you, you can, um, you know, further obviously cause injury to the the, the, the spine uh, at that point. Um, so just to interject there, yeah. sorry. So if you if you're only taking one view, so how much information can you can you get from that? As as in, if you, you can, I mean, you if can, it's if can. it looks normal, you yeah. can't necessarily guarantee that it's normal, though. No, you can't. Um, no, you can't. There's there's uh, there. Um, uh, they're they're reasonably sensitive, but when I say reasonably sensitive, the last study I can I can think of, I think for for fractures they were about just over seventy percent sensitive and and under eighty percent sentive for 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 subluxation. So um if you see one, you can rule one in, but if you don't see one, you can't rule one out. Um, and, you know, any animal that that has a um, you know is neurologically abnormal has had um, a um, injury to its vertebral column. Um, uh, you know, ideally, um, you, you know, if, if we really wanted to screen those animals for, for vertebral column injury, we would do a, a CT. Um, you know, obviously. Uh, uh, that's not um, necessarily um, available or on the cards for every case, but that's 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 the gold standard for for people. And yeah, you know, I, th I, th I think if uh, if you're practicing in an area where CT is widely available for for dogs and cats, we'd consider that the gold standard for for them as well. We've moved um, quite considerably. I think the CT first came about. I think it was 1974 or something like that. And and uh, 1971, I think. 71. Oh, very good. Yeah. So, yeah. so you, know, uh, you know, you know who uh, you know who funded the uh, the first CT. I, I'm. 
I'm, no, Phillips were MRI, were they? Was that was that right? Uh, I, I can't remember who. Um, no, I did don't. The first I, I, unit. I, I don't. But it was it was uh, it was it was EMI. They made so much money out of the uh, Beatles' early career that they uh, they pumped some of that some of that money into uh, diagnostic imaging research. So, so if you take your uh, or, or if you're presented um, with a with an animal that you go to a CT, you can you can thank the the, the Beatles, which which almost ties into yeah. their fiftieth anniversary of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band, which is a, a cracking cracking album. I actually uh, got that the other week, but anyway, yeah, or, or revisited is that, it. Is, is is that AMI or have they gone onto their own? An Apple brand then and uh, I don't know because I, that didn't make any money for anything so. <laughs> fair enough fair enough so, so, um, uh, so you know I, I, I think that's a, a, a fair point that if we if we can do these uh, advanced imaging techniques then then, then that you know, needs to happen um, do, do you CT would also be your your first choice and are there other patients where CT is not enough that you MR them as, as well I guess it depends what your clinical suspicion is um, the, the advantage of the CT um, is it's um, I mean, they are, even though obviously not every practice has one, they are, you know, more, more and more available, I guess, particularly in the, in the UK, uh, you know, particularly around the southeast of the, 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 the UK, you don't have to drive very far before there's a, a veterinary um, facility with a, with a CT. Um, you know, there, there's some other advantages for the this polytrauma cases with, with the CT. You can, you can get fairly rapid um, acquisition of images from the, the, the whole animal. Um, I guess one, one point I, I, I should uh, I, I should bring up just to, about survey radiographs again is is that I'd radiograph the whole spine um, because uh, um, multiple um, uh, spinal fractures um, are reasonably common. Um, and you may um, you know the, the neuro exam that you can do, on a patient in lateral recumbency, um, uh, you may not be able to detect every spinal cord injury just on the one exam. Um, you know, for, for example, if you have a, a, a fracture that's uh, affecting the lumbar intumescence, um, you, you would expect to have a, a, an animal that has uh, that, that has uh, you know, a paresis or, or paralysis. Um, and uh, uh, with uh, a lack of reflexes um, in its pelvic limbs. Um, uh, now, you could also have an animal that has a, a spinal cord injury to um, its lumbar intumescence, as that animal does, but also another injury to its thoracolumbar spinal cord, so two spinal cord injuries. And that dog may present uh, pretty much the same paraparesis poor reflexes to, to its pelvic limbs. Um, you, you may be able to use some other parts of the exam, like the cutaneous trunchi muscle reflex, to, to determine that there is, in fact, a second uh, site of injury present. Or you may have, have multiple spinal fractures and, and not all of them are actually causing a, a, um, a uh, injury to the spinal cord w within those vertebral segments. But uh, multiple injuries are, are common, so I, I would always radiograph the entire spine. Um, 
the advantage of a CT is you, you can very quickly, um, on most CTs these days, CT the whole animal and look for, you know, evidence of pulmonary contusions, look at the abdominal viscera, um, you know, whether the, um, you know, in most of these polytrauma cases, you want to get some sort of thoracic and abdominal uh, imaging uh, and we can certainly get that on the, on the CT while we're CTing the, uh, the, the length of the animal's spine as well. Um, you know, because the um, you're you're also acquiring um, cross-sectional images um, uh, that can also be reformatted uh, later. Um, you know, you don't have to. You know, there's there's minimal movement of the the animal. You can put them, you know, on their spinal board um, through the CT gantry. Um, uh, you know, with you know without. You know, you, you can you can reformat to get. Um, I guess they're not orthogonal views, but you can reformat into any view with the animal being scanned in the one one position. So that's a that's a great advantage. Um, and it can you know that unlike MRI, which uh, you know, needs um, general anaesthesia, or at least I would I would recommend general anaesthesia in all cases uh, that go through the MR um, uh, you, you can um, uh, you can do the CT on, on sedation potentially only light sedation which can be useful for these uh, these trauma cases um, I guess your, your question was uh, you know are there any other um, you know is, is CT enough um, for, for most cases of vertebral fracture luxation, I, I would say say yes. And there's a you know there's a, it's got very good bone detail. It's got very good um, uh, spatial resolution, so you can get quite thin slices. Uh, we can you know you, you know you can uh, determine um, you know with reformatting, you can determine three dimensional you know uh, relationships between um, bones with the 3D reconstructions, which can be very useful if we're, we're planning surgeries to fix these cases. Um, we don't have very good imaging of the spinal cord parenchyma um, like we do on an MR. But, but having said that, we're, the imaging uh, isn't going to prognosticate um, the, the presence or absence of deep pain per perception remains our, our most important prognostic indicator. So um, it's, it's, you know, generally um, in these cases, um, it, it doesn't add much to actually see um, the state of the uh, spinal cord parenchyma on on imaging. Now that may be different with with other causes of spinal cord injury, like animals that have had a ischemic myelopathy. Um, you know, even though most most cases they, you know, I, I would say prognosticate based on the the clinical signs. Um, uh, you know, if, if they have a very long section of spinal cord with uh, with changes in, it, or if you see an anatomic transection, um, then then that will uh, that will probably affect the the conversation you have with with the owner. Um, you know, MRI is, is is great, particularly if there's if there's any question about the the diagnosis. So you know, cases where um, you know it's not a dog that was seen to have been hit by a car, but you know it's a dog where you know they may have had an ischemic myelopathy, they may have had a disc extrusion, they may have a tumour. Um, uh, MRI is going to give you more diagnostic information, but for um, 
you know, does this does this animal have a, a spinal fracture and, and what other relations, um, you know, between the fracture fragments and, uh, uh, you know, in a three-dimensional setting. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it, it often doesn't have an advantage over CT. Um, so, so I, I would, I would say for cases where there is a known spinal trauma, I would invariably want to CT them. Um, and the image acquisition time is a lot quicker. Um, it will take a long time to MRI an entire dog's spine. Uh, it doesn't take very long at all to, to CT. We're trying to say, um, that CT would be good as long, you know, because that's going to fully identify, um, whether there are any issues with fracture luxation of any, any part of the spinal cord. Um, when you know, I suppose we're, we're we're trying to capture, I suppose, as many people as as possible. So, so if someone is put on a spinal board, uh, if they are, um, you know, they do have deep pain, um, and we've taken some lateral radiographs of them in a in a spinal board that we can't see any issues with that. If these people don't have any um, finances to for referral, what what would you what would you suggest at at that point? I know, I know you can't have a perfect situation, um, yeah. but but you know, like what what would you what would you suggest? Uh, and and this is a case of an animal that um, we we know has a spinal cord injury based on our history and examination. Yeah. So so for example, they've 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 um, uh, they've had a uh, they've had a trauma. Um, and they're, say, paraparetic, let's say, and they're localised as a T3 or L3 myelopathy or something like that. Sounds good. Um, that's, a difficult, um, that's a difficult case to know what to do right. You know, I, I, I guess, as you said, you, you know, you can't have a you know, perfect thing in every case, but this is a, a case where, you know, um, I guess I would be, um, you know, I'd be honest with these owners and say, look, we've, we've done these... Um, uh, you know, we've done these radiographs that we can't see any um, abnormality. I'd look at the radiographs very carefully to to um, uh, uh, look for any evidence of sort of you know chips or anything off the um, the vertebral end plates, which which may suggest a, a, a focal point of, of instability. Um, if the animal is um, if the animal is, um, and I'm assuming these cases are cases where the owners don't necessarily have, if they don't have that much money for um, uh, diagnostics or, or willingness to transport the case, they might not have um, a large amount of money for, for treatment, I'd be assuming as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, well, I guess the first point is you need to address the animal's pain if they are painful um so um you know i'd i'd certainly keep them in um it, I, i'd certainly keep them in hospital overnight i'd probably keep them in um in uh lateral recumbency and try not to move them around too much in the early stage at least because I, I guess the thing you're 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 trying to bet here is is whether this animal has um whether they have a um a damage to their vertebral column, which is going to potentially, you know, be, you know, unstable over time. Um, 
whether they've got an ongoing spinal cord compression. You know, for example, you know, a dog can have a minor trauma and then you know, herniate the disc, say. Um, but if there's no evidence for, for either of that on the on the radiographs, which again, the radiographs are going to be relatively insensitive for 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 um, uh, for that. Um, you know, really, I think all you can do is is you know monitor neurological function, keep the animal comfortable, and and hope. Um, you know, if if there's a um, if there's a small volume disc extrusion which isn't causing a, a great degree of compression and the spinal cord has had a sort of acute contusive injury um then then some of those you know animals will actually do okay over time you just need to um uh you know nurse them adequately um uh you know if if the animals had a um ischemic spinal cord injury so you know say a dog it, it didn't get hit by a car but it kind of just sort of jumped out of the way of the car and you know had a um a, a fibrocartilaginous uh embolism um you know those those animals um provided that they've still got deep pain perception they, those animals generally do improve over time with just uh you know, just uh, time and, and physiotherapy generally helps. Um, I mean, if, if you've got an animal that has, um, you know, uh, improving, um, improving um, pain, and when I say pain, I, I mean whether the animal is sort of generally painful uh, or focally painful anywhere and not nociception, so the ability to to sense pain um but if if they are improving in that regard and they're improving um in in terms of neurological function um and you know if the uh you know if if the owners are, are unable to do anything other than the nursing the animal then then there will be a time in that progression where you may need to be brave and, and uh, you know, try and get the dog out of lateral recumbency and, um, uh, you know, um, nurse and, and try and um, carefully rehabilitate it. Um, uh, but, you know, again, that's a, you are, you are dealing with uh, an unknown there. Um, uh, you know, and uh, if you know, if if you can't go ahead with diagnostic tests, then there is the potential that you are um, that you are wrong, and maybe the dog has a spinal fracture, and, and once it is moved, uh, the dog could get neurologically worse. Um, you know, the dog could have a compressive spinal cord lesion, like a disc extrusion, which um, you know sometimes they, those those dogs do improve with non-surgical management. Um, as well um but uh, uh but um outcomes are generally better with surgery um and recovery time is generally shorter with surgery so um uh and if it's if it's a fibrocartilaginous embolism then then you know maybe the the, the dog will go on to um go on to improve I, I guess you don't know unless you do the diagnostic test so uh, the, the difficulty with these cases is, is when do you when do you move them around a bit more if you're not um you, you're not happy that you've ruled out a uh, uh a potential for spinal instability uh
so yeah, that, 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 you know, they, those cases are are difficult uh, uh, difficult situations to to uh, to be put in. So do, do you have a? <laughs> it's even even harder with this hypothetical question. But do you have a uh, a time frame in 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 mind? Like of, of how to how to make decisions. Like how long do you do you want to wait to see if there's a, a progression of of improving pain and comfort and get them to be off that board and potentially ambulating and physio. Well, again, again with the, the the again with the caveat that um, uh, you know the the ideal case would be. Um, would be do some form of imaging like a CT as soon as possible and not sort of, you know, there's certainly not cases where I would, you know, if, if there is a potential for referral, um, I would offer that to the owner, you know, on the day of, you know, within, you know, hours of, of admission. They're, they're not cases that I would, I would sort of say to, to referring practitioners to uh you know sit on it for a you know sit on it for a day and you know if they're not uh if there isn't any improvement then uh consider referral then i consider referral straight away but you know again you know time frame for, for these cases um generally speaking with with um with acute spinal cord injuries of of uh of any cause um how rapidly you would expect to see an improvement depends on the severity of the spinal cord injury and also the type of this the the spinal cord injury um you know for for cases that um you know cases like um uh, or you know, intervertebral disc herniations, uh, or or um, ischemic myelopathies like a, a like a FCE. Um, I mean, sometimes you see improvement within a few days. Sometimes um, you know, if you're not seeing any improvement within, um, uh, if you don't see a return of deep pain perception within two weeks. So even though that you know the animal might not be. Um, uh, might not be able to move its visibly move its legs, uh, but if uh, if um, if deep pain perception comes back within uh, the first two weeks, those animals have a, a reasonable chance of going on to walk again. In those cases, um, yeah, animals with with um, uh, you know that that say they've just been uh, they've been seen to have been hit by a uh, a, a car, for example. Um, uh, then it's a bit more difficult because because those cases often do have a, a much poorer prognosis and and so you know in many cases I'd be discussing um, uh, you know euthanasia in those cases certainly isn't an un, unreasonable um, uh, unreasonable option um, so I guess the 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 um, you know another thing to consider with these cases is is um, you know yes diagnostic imaging um and surgical you know particularly surgical treatment can be quite um expensive but um uh you know non-surgical management um can also be a a you know 
false economy. So, um, you know, again, I guess this is changing the case slightly, but if you if you have a case with a uh, a a, a um, fracture luxation. Um, and uh, you know there are non-surgical ways of of treating some um, fracture luxations, depending on what part of the the, the vertebral body is fractured, and and uh, the arrangement of the fracture, and how you know in in what directions it's going to be unstable, whether it's unstable in in um, uh, you know rotation or, or flexion or um, torsion or, or compression etc so, some fractures may be able to be managed with um with casting or or, or um splinting etc which um which does save the cost of the the surgery but um you know in in those cases recovery times are are, are longer um there is the cost of the sort of constant uh constant rechecks and uh, bandage changes and bandage, uh, you know, associated complications like, you know, uh, ulceration of tissue underneath, et cetera. And, um, uh, you know, they, these animals generally can't be rehabilitated uh, as well because they might have a big bulky bandage on. Often the dogs are a bit more more miserable having a big, big bandage or, or splint on. So, um, you know, sometimes the cumulative cost of doing all that, um, you know, actually en ends up being about the same as, uh, or may potentially even more than, um, uh, than surgical management. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, managing a, a, um, a para or tetraplegic recumbent animal is, is, uh, you know, is is going to be a bit of an a bit of an undertaking. Um, you know, how how long to wait to to see an improvement with with these guys? Um, you know, I think often that is going to be dependent on how long the owners are willing to, um, you know, pay for um, uh, assessment and management, or you know when that animal goes goes home, uh, uh, you know, nursing a recumbent animal at home. Because you know, broadly speaking, the, you know, as you know, most animals that have a spinal cord injury, they are going to be as good as they are going to be about six months after the injury. And you'll, you'll see most of that improvement within the first three months. And of that improvement, you'll probably see most within the first month. Um, now, a month can be a fair bit of time to wait to see how the animal is trending, and if they start plateauing, I guess you know you don't, you know you don't you you, 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 you don't know for certain the outcome ahead of time. But if they're starting to plateau, then then you know how good their function is in six months' time is probably going to be, you know, less than an, an animal that is you know consistently making rapid improvements. Um, yeah, provide. Provided the animal is is comfortable um, and it's being well nursed, so you know, look, making sure it's not developing decubitus ulceration. Um, you know, animals with spinal cord injury, um, you know, if, if they reach the point where they are losing voluntary movement to their pelvic limbs, they will have bladder dysfunction, so they will need to have their bladder um, managed and generally man that is manual. Uh, expression um and uh you know they, they do need physio support and you know and and um you know I, I guess one thing that's that's not always commented on but you know good uh good nursing and good physio is is also super important for these dogs 
you know, mental health because you know you can imagine it's you know it's, it's stressful for the vets and the owners but it'd be you know quite stressful for you as a as a dog to you know go from walking around to uh to not walking around um some dogs seem to deal with with paraplegia better than than other dogs um you know a lot of dachshunds can sort of truck on like you know they don't really care um some chihuahuas have never been outside the louis vuitton handbag anyway so um it's uh it's um you know you are i, I can't remember there's a harvey cushing quote which i can't remember the exact wording on but it's like you, you you're not only treating the um you know you're not treating the the pa- you're not treating the disease you're, you're treating the patient in the context of the world that they live in i don't think that's the quote at all but it, that's kind of the gist of the uh the gist of the quote so you know um uh you know and again this isn't a reason to give up on a dog you know an active dog that has a spinal cord injury if it has based on your neurological assessment and diagnostic tests and appropriate treatment the uh potential to go on and and get better because you know animals get sick and we treat them and that's what we we do but um you know extended periods of um uh, of um, uh, you know recumbency that that can lead to a, a loss of function and a a loss of an ability to to, to maintain the um, lifestyle and, and life that that dog previously had. It's it's a it is a bit different when we're talking about say a border collie to a uh, a dachshund to a chihuahua. That's a, that's a very good point, and I suppose that I, I like the um, the idea as you, as you as you as you quite eloquently put. Like maybe it's a maybe it's a false economy. You know, if we if we don't actually uh, think about imaging these guys properly, um, then the steps we need and maybe the the support that we that we need to give them um, might actually be as expensive in the long run as if we if we get some imaging and and uh, maybe have the idea whether there's certain things that need to be fix with a fracture or have a have a you know more information is is always is always better um and and uh, I, I think in the last i suppose it's, it's uh, nine years that i've been here I can, I can only think of a handful of dogs that have had uh, cast put on or or anything like that and i think that's actually secondary after they've had some stabilization of surgery as well so so it, you know it, it, it is probably a false economy and you you know i, I was uh, speaking to elvin about elmer's things for for hip uh, coxofemoral luxation and and again it's one of those things that does it cause more harm than good you know putting these things on and and a, and a, and a, i think that's there's always the always the thing that plays in the back of my mind you know i, d- I don't want to ever do anything that it that has the potential necessarily to cause cause harm and, and certain things you might um take on the chin but but uh but but you're right these are can be unforgiving things that we do you know to cause more harm yes yes certainly certainly um you know and and you know there's uh you know uh, you know i'm sure a lot of cats don't uh you know they, they don't like being uh you know they don't like being sick they don't like being in 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 hospital etc but the um uh they, they do um you know dogs and cats are pretty tough um and they do um they do cope quite well after spinal surgery they're they're generally you know they're they're generally more comfortable more quickly um uh and uh you know they 
yeah, the, the, the spine is a very difficult um, difficult part of the body to adequately immobilize. And, and if they're, they're sub-adequately immobilized, then you're probably not doing you know, much good anyway in terms of, you know, holding the, the, the fractured fragments in, in sort of relative approximation. And then, you know, if, and, also, and if they're not and there is movement, then they are going to be more painful than if they are rigidly internal, internally stabilised. And, uh, yeah, they, they um, yeah, and, and particularly cervical fractures where they have to have a, a bandage that goes pretty much, you know, includes their whole head um you know they they you know they they you know often get otitis and you know it's uh yeah i i uh, I, I would i would say for for most spinal fracture luxations that need stabilization i would i would almost invariably look for a uh, a surgical fix i, f- I found the harvey cushing quote if you if you're interested <laughs> please so, please so, do so, it's a, a physician is obliged to consider more than a diseased organ, more even than the whole man. He must view the man in his world. So I guess we could insert dog rather than man. It would uh, yeah. it, it would work for sure. So if, if we're yeah. going um, to to recap Pat, about uh, about our, our initial sort of management, um, obviously we we need to think about our uh, our ABCs. But probably before we we do that, make sure that the the, the patient is immobile, or we'll put them into a position to to be immobile. And, and obviously we can't forget about the the you know the primary sort of survey of them and check whether they have any um, deep pain sensation but then if you're quizzing uh, um, or questioning your own ability to do that it's probably better just to give them some analgesia and, and then uh, um, and, and then and then move on um, and obviously you want to do a secondary survey of the of the patient as well and, the, and, and what we need to focus on is oxygen administration and uh, maintaining a, a normal blood pressure and then really the idea is that uh, once we're happy with their cardiovascular stability um, and we're doing what we can analgesia-wise, then, then really we need to consider some form of diagnostic imaging. Um, and we had that caveat of, of uh, what happens if maybe people don't have um, the, the financial resources to, to do that, but a centre where CT is available would be would be a good, a good first step. And obviously people that might be able to deal with the consequences of that uh, of the CT findings, so so um, would be would be important for the for the outcome of the of the patient. As as far as sort of do's and don'ts, I, I kind of uh, you know like that as an idea. So the, definitely the. You know, oxygen maintaining blood pressure um, and uh, immobilization, and as far as dates, we've 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 got uh, um, you know steroids filling filling that uh, that void um, for a for a, a twenty minute almost mini podcast uh, about that. Are there any other do's and dates that you you think you you'd like people to to take home? Um, I think. Uh... Well, I, th- I think you kind of touched on it, but do, um, yeah, d- well, do check deep pain perception um, before giving analgesia or don't give analgesia before checking deep pain perception. So, you know, again, it, it doesn't take long, ch- you, know, uh, uh, you know, using hemostats or something reliably noxious. Um, uh, medial and lateral digit on the limbs that you think are, are, are affected. So, um, 
you know, pelvic limbs or all four limbs. Um, always check the tail as well because, uh, you know, you can have animals that have no deep pain uh, apparently uh, within their, you know, both pelvic limbs, but you, you can get a response um, when you test their tail and that tells you that at least there is something something getting getting through. Um, you know, again, there are confounding things there, but, um, you know, you know, pinch pinch them on another part of the dog to to use as a as a control if if uh, if necessary. Um, again, you know, know what you're looking for when you test deep pain perception. So so again, limb withdrawal doesn't signify a positive response. That is that is just the the flexor reflex. You want to look for a behavioural um, response in the animal to the the the, the pinch. Um, yeah, survey radiographs are uh, are, um, are, a, 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 a fine and good thing to do. Um, you know, if you're if you're in a practice and it's uh, you know that the owners are sort of dead keen on on referral and and uh, you've already um, got the animal immobilised, you know, you could always ship them to the referral centre because you know sometimes we we see cases where um, uh, you know they don't come with survey radiographs, but um, uh, we we just um, uh, you know they just go straight through the, the the CT, and that that money spent on survey radiographs is then available to the owner to to use for um, uh, use for treatment, and it might also save some time, which can can be can be uh, also useful to to have in these cases. But yeah, c certainly um, uh, survey radiographs um, if uh, you know you've got a 70% chance of ruling something in and then that, you know, that might be a trigger for the owners to, um, you know, if, if the owners aren't sure whether they want referral or not and you take radiographs and you do see a, uh, evidence of something uh, that is uh, fixable at a referral centre, that might make the uh, discussion with the owners easier. So, you know, it's kind of up, up to up to the practitioner whether they want to take referral, um, uh, sorry, survey radiographs or not, uh, but don't... Don't turn the patient to, to get an orthogonal view because uh, you know you are you are just uh, you know potentially going to uh, cause further injury there. Um, uh, you know and uh, you know don't don't prognosticate based on the uh, uh, on the radiographs. Um, you know some older textbooks they um, uh, they do offer. Um, uh, prognosis based on you know uh, relative um, narrowing of the the vertebral canal etc. But um, you know I've, I've seen many cases where um, the uh, uh, the textbook would say that the dog's got no chance of walking again with uh, with appropriate treatment. They uh, they've gone on to do fine. So uh, prognosticate on your neuro exam findings. And uh, yeah, again, um, you know, these are cases that you really want to refer early if referral is an option. Over interpreting uh, radiographs, we had some uh, sent in um, recently that we had a had a look at, and, and uh, speaking to um, one one of our images here, it was sort of highlighted the fact that you know if things look straight, then they they probably are, but you can definitely over interpret spinal radiographs of uh, if there's if they're not appropriately positioned. So so you know I, I suppose that it's definitely yeah. it's definitely important to not think that there is a fracture when and you know because you see a slight deviation in something you know make make sure you have a have a good look at them and yeah. think about the positioning of them and and also the 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 flip side of that is that um 
you know, if there is an instability, um, you may be radiographing it at a relatively straight moment. So you, you may, um, you know, you, you may be unre- you may be underrepresenting the amount of, uh, uh, you know, movement that that spine underwent as a, as a, you know, initial impact, you know, things can snap out of place and then snap back into sort of relative position. So, um, Absolutely, absolutely. Um, do, do you think there's uh, anything that we haven't covered uh, with with spinal trauma? Um, well, I, you know, maybe maybe it's a time for another another podcast. I could have uh, I could have talked ad nauseum about localizing spinal cord lesions and uh, and um, you know confounding signs like shift Sharrington posture, spinal shock, all that all that sort of stuff. But you know, I, I guess in terms of a um, you know, I, I think that's um, that is, you know, can be particularly important in um, uh, in you know trying to interpret um, uh, you know the 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 clinical signs of injury to sites of spinal cord injury, etc. But I, I would say, in the case for 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 most practitioners, um, yeah, if you suspect um, the injury. Um, if you suspect a spinal cord injury, I would I would immobilise at least the whole thoracolumbar spine. Uh, if you think that there may be a cervical spinal cord injury, I would also immobilise the neck. And you know, regardless of where we make our localization, um, uh, we would want to image the entire vertebral column because multiple multiple uh sites of injury are common and um and uh and uh injury in you know if there are multiple sites of injury some of those injuries may be masked by um uh by the um i guess the the neurological signs from downstream injuries um to, to what I'd say with that, Pat, is that, that uh, well, I've dubbed you in for, for, for another uh, another go at this, another crack, and maybe we can talk a bit about neurolocalization and, and confounding factors of uh, Schiff Sherrington and beyond. Sounds good. <laughs> well, um, thank you very much for your time today, um, and, uh, and good luck wherever we might find you in a uh, referral of uh, veterinary practice in Australia coming to you. Um, thanks a lot yeah thank you very much we'll wrap it up there Um, apologies if you had any difficulties with the audio Uh, it was a a Skype recording and Brian wasn't involved with with that Um, but uh, don't worry I'll get him involved next time if I I, uh, am fortunate enough to speak to someone on, on Skype again Many thanks for your time in, in listening to this podcast, and please don't forget to hit that subscribe button uh, on your on your um, on your smartphone, and then you won't even have to worry about missing a missing a podcast. If you could go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, the new name for for that, and, and leave us a, a five star review 
honestly it would only take a, a few seconds of your time but we're really grateful uh if you could do that it puts us um we works with metrics we don't necessarily understand but at least gets the information out about the clinical podcast um to the people who are interested in it don't forget to tell your friends maybe veterinary friends other friends if you'd like who it doesn't necessarily matter we'll place the show notes of this um on the rvc pages so if you just type in rvc clinical podcasts into your search engine it should be top of the tree if you have any comments and suggestions for this podcast, do you get in touch? You can either email me at dbarfield at rbc.acd.uk or you can follow me or, or tweet me at Don Barfield. Until next time, bye-bye.